This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I don't think of John as there's the Down syndrome son. Sure. I think of John as you're my boy, my son. I give you grief the same way I give your brother's grief. Right? <laughs> this is Knocking Doors Down, a podcast about sharing inspirational stories of those who have come from great adversity to live purposeful lives in the area of addiction and mental health. And we are here to end the stigma around those two things. I'm your host, Jason, alcoholic, had some depression and anxiety issues. My co-host, Uncle Mikey over there, he struggled a little bit with that anxiety and depression. I wouldn't say a little bit. I'm riddled with that shit. (laughs) And we're joined by uh, John and Mark Cronin, of course. John's Crazy Socks, which I love the brand and it's such the idea and how it came about. So, gentlemen, thanks for uh, sitting down to talk with us. Well, thank you very much for having us. Thank you so much. Uh, Hey, we're happy you guys made the time because this is great. I'm looking forward to it. (laughs) uh, And we have similar missions of uh, you know showing what's possible, but also gaining strength through vulnerability. Right? Mm -hmm. Of Mm -hmm. this is who we are. Yep. This is what you get. And being open about that, we can, you know, it's not just John's Down syndrome, but we can share, uh, you know, in a very personal way, what's affected us with depression and uh, and drug use uh, in our family and how that spurred some things. And, uh, okay. and it's important to share that so others know they're not alone. Absolutely. Right. Wow, I didn't know that. I've definitely done my research, and um, you know, thank you for all you do as as uh, individual. My son is on the autism spectrum, so I love the scope of everything that you do, and it it really touched my heart. The more and more I found out about what you gentlemen are doing, um, but g- goodness, so you've been a, do have some effects of alcoholism or addiction and other stuff within the family too. We do. Um, if you look at our family. From the outside, you would say the presenting condition, if you will, medical condition, was Down syndrome. Yeah. And, and we, we should explain that you know, John here. Yes. John, John, you're a businessman. Yes, I am. An entrepreneur. Yes. A dancer. Yeah. An athlete. Yep. A lover. <laughs> and you have Down syndrome, right? Yes, I am. And what do you say about Down syndrome? I, I have Down syndrome. Down syndrome, never me back. So if you look at us, you'd say, well, it's Down syndrome. But the reality is both my wife, his mom, and uh, our middle son, his brother, 
Uh, they both suffer from pretty significant chronic depression. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jamie has been his brother at times crippled by anxiety. And he had some significant drug issues for a while. And you don't, you don't walk around and advertise that. But at the same time, these issues are so prevalent that I think it's important and helpful to admit and say, you know, this is the way life is. And we deal with this. Um, and we've... We have made a lot of connections by doing that. I think that's important. Um, I mean, I'll give you, and you guys probably have lots of stories you can share, but I'll give you an example. Um, A few months ago, we recorded a a TEDx talk. We've now done two TEDx talks. Oh, I love it. First one, it was really built around our personal experiences, but saying that, it's not as much that people with different abilities are waiting for us to help them, but they're waiting to help us. Yeah. And, you know, spoke about, and, and I could go into, and we, we want to share about how at a very tough time in my life and our family life, that was related to my wife's depression and some, oh, irrational decisions that she made that had very significant consequences. And we shared that. And somebody we've known now for several years in the Down syndrome community called up my wife in tears, saying it was so powerful to hear that, that she had struggled with some mental health issues and drinking issues and had been arrested and uh, for DWI and she hides it from everybody. Mm. And when she heard this TED talk, it was empowering for her. Um, so that drives, you know, uh, I'm kind of rambling here. Oh, no, you're great. You're great. You know, uh, and here's another thing which we keep in mind. So now, oh boy, 10 years ago, um, our middle son's uh, best friend died of an overdose. These guys grew up, there were three of them that grew up as, you know, as thick as thieves. Um, and he had just come back, his friend had just come back from uh, his first year of college. And he had played on the national championship lacrosse team. Came from a good family, good home. And there he is dead in the street. Uh And that, I think it was later that afternoon, I ran into a friend of mine, an acquaintance who was a columnist for Newsday, which we live on Long Island in New York, and that's the big newspaper here. And I mentioned this to her. And she looked at me and she said, Mark, that's the fifth overdose death in Huntington Bay, part of our town, so far this year. I said, how come nobody knows this? Because nobody will talk about it. And so I made a point then of, you know, we'll share. And what's challenging is my son, Jamie, he's not always glad that I share. (laughs) You know, that's his life. Um, But as my wife will point out, yes, but it's our life too. And when we share some of the struggles as a family, 
I, I think it helps. It, it lets other people know things. Absolutely. You know, uh, I would sure Mikey can mirror it. I know for me or whatever, um, you know, with all of my choices and struggles is, you know, uh, if one person of the family unit is suffering, the family is suffering. And oftentimes, you know, that family extends to community and so on. And we are seeing it, unfortunately, more and more and more. And um, I know for me, the pandemic did not help. And I know a lot of other people that struggle with addiction issues, mental health issues. It did not help in any way, shape or form, you know, because we, we got that lack of connectivity, which which I know I know John loves, too, because I want to talk a little later with John about being in the Special Olympics. But Mark, can I ask maybe what kind of struggles did you have with with uh, when John was young, maybe getting help because people weren't as aware of Down syndrome now as when when he was younger? Well, I want to say we were fortunate. Okay, but that's in part because of kind of who we are and how we react to things. But you know, we'll tell the the story of the even the day John was born. We did not know he was going to be born with Down syndrome. Sure. Wound up being an emergency C-section middle of the night. Right after he was born, we told he's very healthy. We're in kind of a waiting room before they had a permanent, a, a permanent, a regular room for my wife. And the covering um, pediatrician came in and said, I have to talk to you. I have some bad news. I'm very sorry. But I have to tell you, it appears that your son may have a slight case, it's possible, of Down syndrome. And, and I looked at her and I said, well, wait a second. Well, what are you apologizing for? This is my son. There's, there's no reason to apologize. This is not bad news. This is who he is. Um, and a few days later, uh, you you may know you may know this about Down syndrome. People born with Down syndrome are frequently uh, face very significant medical consequences, mm-hmm. as did John. And so, on the third day of your life, yes, John had intestinal bypass surgery. So he was transferred to a major medical center. My wife is at the other hospital recovering from the C-section. They wouldn't let her out. Um, We didn't know if he was going to survive that operation. So we brought a Catholic priest in to baptize him. You know, me and the priest hovering over this plastic bassinet. Um, And then before he was three months old, John needed open heart surgery. But because he had two holes in his heart. Well, when they discovered that, we met with the uh, pediatric cardiologist. And my wife and I picked my wife up from the other hospital. We come over, we meet with this doctor. And he rather offhandedly says, you know, they try to save some of these babies now. What are we talking about? Wow. This is my son. Um, But we were fortunate. Uh, We were able to connect with some. we We had a good pediatrician. And we were able to connect with other people um, that, you know, offered advice or, you know, less advice, but more could share their journey. Sure. Uh, so, you know, my, 
we, we don't want to deal with that, that particular pediatric, pediatrician at a hospital. But I worked in the healthcare field. One of my best friends I've grown up with, he's a cardiothoracic surgeon. He gets us in to see a pediatric cardiologist who's wonderful. And that surgery goes extremely well. So we're fortunate in that regard. Absolutely. And we just always treated John as, I don't think of John as there's the Down syndrome son. Sure. I think of John as you're my boy, my son. I give you grief the same way I give your brothers grief. Right? <laughs> we expect you to do things and we promote your independence, right? Right. Good stuff. Well, Jim, I'm glad you share that because I've told Mikey about this um, several times. I'd had a cousin, a second cousin who has Down syndrome, and the greatest disability I saw was her mom's hindrance in how she saw her. It's... Well, one thing I've learned, you know, parenting is very humbling, <laughs> right? There's so much we want to do and there's so little we can do, right? We're all knuckleheads, you know, <laughs> um, right? Um, I'm very hesitant to say anything about somebody else, but, you know, we have our approach. Sure. And one of the things we did with all three of our sons is we'd push them and promote their independence. And I think it's natural, or certainly the way our culture operates, for parents to want to protect their children. We want to shield them from hurt and from loss. And that's particularly true of parents with children with a disability. Sure. But in the long run, that may be counter effect it it may run counter to what they need that more than ever that we need them to to push and promote that independence but part of what that means is you have to let your kid fail yeah but that's how we learn yeah right you know it's um i i, I will say this only half jokingly i have a theory of bad parenting that kind of the worse the parent you are, the better off your kids are, because then they have to figure out and be, um, be, you know, be independent. And, you know, I, I know you're wearing a baseball hat, so maybe you know about the Mendoza line, right? You can't hit below your weight. And right. so the Mendoza line is parenting. It can't be so bad that child services have to remove the kid from the house. Right. <laughs> you know, I, I'll give you. A John story, right? Right. Please. So we're out, and uh, John's home, and he wants to eat something. He's going to heat up in a microwave. But the microwave had broken. So there he is. He's got his thing. I think it was a cup of noodles or something. He wants to heat it up, and there's no microwave. What do you do? Do you remember what you did? I did. I, I was over uh, uh, uh I will go for neighbor's house. He goes to the neighbor's house, knocks on the door, and says, can I use your microwave? <laughs> right. <laughs> Solve that problem, right? <laughs> problem solved. There you go. <laughs> uh, I love it. Uh, which is pretty cool. You know, you, you asked uh, before about, you know, impact or, or things. So we tell 
our origin story about how John's Crazy Sots got started. And we, we tell it a lot because origin stories matter. Um, and we always focus on John. So, you know, a little more than five years ago. And where were you? I, I was I was in a hundred high school. I was gonna be my last year school. Oh, so it's so a last year of high school? Yes. Okay. Um, so if you have what's termed a disability anywhere in the US, you can stay in the public school system until you turn 21. Hmm. Then okay. you gotta go. And when you're in school, all of your services and programs are right there in front of you. Right. But once you go over it, it's often known as the 21-year-old cliff. Once you go over that cliff, you're on your own. You gotta figure everything out, put it together. And depending on what state you live in, there may be programs, there may not be programs. Uh, so that's where John was heading. And you were trying to figure out what to do, right? Right. And what were you looking at? I don't got a job program in school. I don't have a job. He didn't say anything he liked. Yeah. And unfortunately, that's reality. There just aren't a lot of good choices for people with differing abilities. You know, you, you read that the unemployment rate is double the national average. Oh, that doesn't tell the story. The real story is fewer than one in five people with a disability are employed, um, which is awful. Yeah. But John here, he's a natural entrepreneur. <laughs> if you didn't see a job you wanted, what were you going to do? I want to create one. I want to make one. He said, I'll make a job. And what did you tell me? I want to go abandon with my dad. I nice fellas that abandoned together. Which is awesome. Yeah. And I tell you, I've got three sons. This is one I can work with. <laughs> so, you know, so now we're going to go and we'll go into business together, right? What was one of your ideas? While well, I'm in a food truck, I have an idea of the movie Chef. And oh, I, love, I, I love that movie. Yeah, that's a good movie. Yeah, yeah and a movie that about a father's son abiding of a food truck. Yeah. So, this is really wonderful. He's all excited. What could we make? Where would we put the truck? But we ran into a problem. We can't, we can't cook. Yeah. We can't. <laughs> John, let me ask you this. If you guys could cook, what food would you have made? What were you going to sell in your food truck? I don't know. Oh, you had a lot of ideas. You were like hot dogs and chicken and spaghetti tacos. <laughs> oh, there we go. <laughs> but... But then, right before Thanksgiving of 2016, you had your eureka moment. I did. I want to sell crazy, crazy socks. Watch socks. It's fun. It's colorful. It's creative. I'll always let me be me. John has a decided sense of style. And he would lay out clothes, and, including these crazy socks. And we should drive around looking for them. And, there would be times your mom and your brother would come to me and say, you can't let him wear that to school. And I was like, no, I got his back. Anything he wants to go, you know, we yeah. may not wear that, but you, you love those crazy socks. Yeah, I tell you. So we figured if John loved them that much, sure the other people would too, and we could find our tribe. Absolutely. So we get started. We decide to go the lean startup route. And not a detailed business plan. Let's get something up and running and we'll see how people respond. 
So you had the name? Yeah, I got my name. I got a website. We built a simple website. We got some inventory. We were bootstrapping. So you make do with what you have. Yeah. Uh, the only marketing we did was to set up a Facebook page. I would take out my cell phone and we made videos. And who was in those videos? I am. I, I talk about sock. Sock, sock, one sock. I love the videos, John. You do a great job. And we noticed people started sharing those videos. So what day did we open? We opened on Friday, December 9th, 2016. We didn't know what to expect, but we received a flood of orders. We got 42 orders the first day. And right. most of them were local. We're, we said we live in the town of Huntington on Long Island outside New York City. We did decide to do with those orders. I decided uh, a, a, home, a home delivery. Home deliveries. We got red boxes, put the socks in the box, looked at it and said, need something else. What else would you put in? I think I know I wrote in candy. A little handwritten thank you note. We got bags of Hershey's Kisses and would pour them in the box, loaded up the car, drove around. You knocked on doors delivering socks. I did. There were times it's 1030 at night and he's knocking on a door. <laughs> Just John with your socks. <laughs> um, and so it was pretty good. We shipped 452 orders at $13,000 in revenue in basically two weeks. And what we learned? Uh, we learned uh, 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 people want to buy, buy socks. socks too, uh, people want to buy socks for me. And, you know, they related to John. They related to the personal touch, the thank you notes, the candy. They related to the fact we'd already pledged 5% of our earnings to the Special Olympics. Um, and something that surprised us, people found John inspiring. They loved the idea of a young man with Down syndrome doing this, and they had a very emotional response. Plus, we learned that this young man... This is old man. <laughs> we could sell socks. So that's the origin story. And we tell that all the time, and it's inspiring, and it's warm, and it's true. But people rarely ask, well, where were you, Mark? Yeah. What was going on with you? So here's what was going on with me in the fall of 2016. And we're, you know, we've shared this, we've shared this in a TEDx talk. Um, but we don't talk, you know, it's, it's not what we lead with. But sure. I think it's relevant for your show. So I had mentioned that my wife um, had suffered from chronic depression. Well, she was a lawyer and she had her own practice. And she was a good lawyer. But every once in a while, things just went off the rails or she couldn't manage to get things done. We went around on this a bunch of times and then we came up with what we thought was a solution. I would work with her and I would then manage the business. I'm not a lawyer, but I... I've run lots of businesses. I could manage the business and we would grow that business. And that's what we did. And that became the family business. And everything was great until 2016 um, when we discovered that uh, before we were working together, my wife had made an irrational decision and done something you can't do. And she dipped into some client funds, oh. one client she had taken some money and then she buried that and hid that and we discovered that in 2000 i discovered that in 2016 and said 
okay, we have to go tell this client. And my wife, but we can't pay her back with another money. And so we got to do this anyway. And we did and started paying the client back. But as was that client's right, uh, she went to the authorities. And on uh, the Saturday of Columbus weekend, we got a letter in the mail um, saying to my wife from the Discipline Committee of the Bar Association saying these charges have been made against you. And how do you respond? And that's how we knew. Um, so on Tuesday, we let everybody go and shut down the office. And Tuesday afternoon, just coincidentally, because they're on different tracks, uh, different from the Bar Association action, two detectives showed up at the door uh, to arrest my wife. So I want to be careful here. Um, I'm not making excuses. But, you know, this clearly was um, affected by her depression. So there we were. That was the family business. Now we have no income. And what are we going to do? Um, and I was 58. I was an entrepreneur, which means I'm completely unemployable. Uh, <laughs> and so I start, I'm starting some online businesses. You know, I hold on to my wife and and kids and say, you know, we're just going to hold tight. We got to hold together and we'll get through this and we'll, we'll deal with what we have and we're going to find a way forward. And it was in that context that John came to me and said, dad, I want to sell socks. And I said, sure, we'll try that too. <laughs> um, and, and we talk a lot. We can talk about the social enterprise we've created and the social mission we have, which is very important, but at its roots, the business had to succeed. Yeah. You know, we, we had to pay the rent. Um, and it turns out we like to live indoors. <laughs> um, Same. You know, that's a humbling experience. Absolutely. And, and it informs a lot of our thinking. You never judge somebody by their worst moment. Yeah. It's everybody has something they're grappling with. And, and we've learned from John and from my wife, who I love dearly, you know, the line I have is, uh, don't be blinded by someone's limitations. Be awed by the possibilities. Absolutely. And, and deal with a lot of the reality. of It's not easy. Absolutely. Um, I want to ask John, though, when you guys first started the sock line, who, who was designing all the socks? Uh, I'm... I have some socks, some socks I, 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 I designed, and some of my colleagues designed um, also. When we, when we started, we were just selling other people's socks. Hmm. Um, and we told you, you know, we started in December, and that's great. And then in January, first thing we learned January of 2017 is nobody buys anything in January because they spent all their money at the holidays. Oh yeah. Everyone's broke in January. Right. So <laughs> we're trying to figure out what can we sell. And that's when we discover that people wear crazy socks to celebrate world down syndrome day. Right. What day is that? I'm not first. Okay. Um, now, you would have thought we knew that before we started a sock business, but we're not that smart. Um, <laughs> so we go looking for a Down syndrome sock that we could sell. 
you know, that somebody else made a week selling our online store. It turned out nobody made one. Mm-hmm. But what do you say? I, I said, I want to create one. I want to make one. said, all right, I'll make one. And so John designed the world's first Down syndrome sock, a Down syndrome awareness sock. And we called up uh, the National Down Syndrome Society and they said, look, we're going to sell this sock and we want to donate money to you from this sock. And and they were very polite, but they said, who the hell are you? (laughs) Uh, And we called another group up and told them that. And uh, but that set the, you know, the platform of what, you know, it built on our giving back that, um, and we've gone on to create a whole line of socks, of awareness products that celebrate um, causes, um, raise awareness, and raise money. So yeah. we have autism awareness socks. Autism, I sell policy, and animal rescue socks, and we have um, a 2020, we have a healthcare superhero sock. To, uh, to, right. say, to say thank you uh, frontline workers. We made right. healthcare superhero socks saying thank you to frontline workers. Um, and so when you ask the question of what do we design, John has designed some. We have sold, colleagues have, we now have a team of designers that work on them. And we still sell socks from other people. But, but here's a real cool thing. When we started, we could put all the different socks we had on one table. Today, how many different socks do we have? We have, have 4,000 different wow. kinds of socks and main sources. Over 4,000 different socks. That makes John here the owner of the world's largest sock store. John's Crazy Socks has more socks than any other sock company in the world. Now, John, let me ask you this. I know there's a ton of socks. You got over 4,000, but off the top of your head, which ones are your favorite? My favorite sock is Down Syndrome Superhero. Down Syndrome Superhero, which you designed. Yes. Based on a superhero image and whose face is on that? Me. (laughs) I love it. I'm going to get a pair as soon as we get off of this call. Because I want to. I wanted to know which one was yours because that's the one I'm going to get. When you're a sock tycoon like John, mm-hmm. everybody's asking what socks are you wearing, right? And right. So during the week, you're very business focused. Right. What socks do you wear every Saturday? Poop emoji socks. Poop emoji socks. Because <laughs> <laughs> you can take the boy out of junior high, but you can't take the junior high out of the boy. No, you cannot. I got to up my sock game, man. I just have the uh, black ones from Costco. So <laughs> I definitely got to up my sock game. So I will, de- I'll be participating for sure. Oh, I love it. I love it. Um, John, um, you being a special uh, Olympics athlete, but uh, what in, uh, events did you compete in? I compete in basketball, track and field, uh, basketball, track and field, Soccer, soccer, and a snowshoe. And in fact, last weekend, John had a snowshoe meet. And next week, you're going to the New York State Games, right? Right. Yeah, I'm snowshoe. I'm really excited. And oh, that's awesome. You guys will like this. Uh, John has given himself a nickname for the Special Olympics. 
Big sexy. Big sexy. <laughs> <laughs> You're clearly lacking in confidence. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Big sexy John Cronin. I like it. What was your favorite sport you uh, participated in, John? What's your favorite sport? My favorite sport is snowshoeing. You like the okay. snowshoeing. Nice. You've been doing that for eight years now with the Blue Devils and Coach yeah. Froth. Yeah. That's so like awesome. That. I got to ask then, is there a sock, a big, sexy sock yet? We, we have not created that, but, you know, there's still a future ahead of us. Yeah, I think they're, they're just on there. The big, sexy, you know, I think it'll do awesome. <laughs> we'll have to see if the girlfriend allows it. Oh, <laughs> oh, John, you got a girlfriend, too, huh? I do. Awesome, man. Well, you're together this week. Yes. <laughs> and she's away. She's away. That's why you're still together? Yes. <laughs> My favorite types of girlfriends are the ones that are away, too. <laughs> I just say, you and Mikey must have similar dating style. John, isn't life just easier that way? <laughs> I, 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 I did a public spirit, a public space here. I'm going to smack my dad. Oh, you're going to smack me now? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, we apologize, John. (laughs) Oh, that's too awesome. You know, we talked a little bit about the social mission and and different lines of socks that you've done. What about some of the employees there? Are there employees with uh, different abilities? There are. And and so maybe let me put this in some context, right? What we've created is a different type of business model. It's a social enterprise. So we have both the social and the business drive, and they feed off of each other. Sure. They, they're indivisible. You know, the answer is, if all we're doing is selling socks, you're not going to be talking to us. And mm-hmm. if all we did was have a cute little story and the business didn't match, it would have no impact. And, and everything comes down to a very simple mission. Spreading happiness. Spreading happiness. Mm-hmm. Everything we do is designed to do that. Um, but we built the business in five pillars. It's print and hope, give it back, find products you can love, make it personal. And the fifth is make it a great place to work. Right. Because if, if we want to spread happiness with our customers and in the community, we have to start here. Yeah. Our colleagues have to be energized and believe in what they're doing and they have to be happy. We got to take care of them. It's got to be a place where people are respected and can do their best work. To making it personal to this day, what goes in every package? A digging the land candy. And every packing slip has a picture in the name of the person who packed the order. Oh, that's awesome. Um, and we've now shipped 370,000 packages to 88 different countries. But if we get an order between the office and home, what are you doing? I go, I never do it. I'm still doing home deliveries. Still doing home deliveries. Anything we can do to connect to customers. And then the, the fun products you can love. Everything we sell has to meet three criteria. It's got to be fun. Got to spread happiness, and I I I have to get be behind. John's got to approve it. Yeah. If he turns it down, we don't sell it. Um, but we have to be a great 
e-commerce business. Sure. You've got to have a great website. You've got to have great selection of 4,000 signs. We've got to have great products. We have over 29,000 five-star reviews. And you've got to have great service. So we do same-day shipping. If an order comes in today, it's going out today. We do better shipping than Amazon. And Jeff Bezos over at Amazon, he's no John. He's not putting a thank you note in candy in those Amazon packages. Right. Right. Then the giving back, we told you we started by pledging 5% to the Special Olympics. Now we have a whole series of products that raise money for charity, uh, for our charity partners. We we are now, we, we sponsor an autism can do scholarship. It's a $5,000 scholarship uh, for somebody in the autism spectrum to advance their education. The applications are open now that you can apply up to uh, March 25th. You know, it's not enough just to sell stuff. We've been so fortunate. You got to make sure you get back. But the most important aspect is that inspiration and hope. It's showing, it's showing what's possible, what people can do, and most specifically, what people with differing abilities can do. So more than half of our colleagues have a differing ability. We've been able to create 31 jobs. 22 of those are held by people with a different ability. And it's not enough. We want to show the world. So we create videos all the time and content. We host tours and work groups from schools and social service agencies. We do speaking engagements. Uh, before the pandemic, we were crisscrossing Canada, the US, Mexico. Um, now we do it virtually. We're doing these podcast interviews. That's why we're so grateful that you've had us on your show. Um, and, and we do advocacy work because we've been able to build a platform that people listen to us so we've testified twice before Congress. We've wow. spoken at the United Nations. Um, we now have two TEDx talks out. Um, and all that rolls up to John's crazy socks. So that when you're a customer, you're not just getting socks. You're, you're sharing in this experience. You're helping us employ people with different abilities. You're helping us give back. You let us you make it possible for us to go speak to Congress. Um, and most of all, help us spread happiness. Yeah. So it, it, we're, we're incredibly fortunate. Absolutely. John, well, did, you, right. did you think, John, when you came up with an idea of let's do some crazy socks, that it would be everything that it is? You did, huh? Because I did. Hey, you got to believe in yourself in order for a business to succeed. So good on you, buddy. Yeah, I, 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 I probably I, I went down a bit, a bit mad in knitting socks. You were knitting socks. Yes, there was once a a Reddit train of people trying to calculate. How many hours it would take John to write all those thank you notes for all these customers? <laughs> but he, you have heard the line, uh, you may have heard the line that about James Brown, that he was the hardest working man in showbiz. Well, uh -huh. John is the hardest working man in Sockto. Yeah, I put it on the log. I'll give you an anecdote of uh, we had done, uh, participated in a fundraiser with the Special Olympics 
in the city in Manhattan, and uh, uh, it's not good for oh, it's a great little story. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> Come it's on, young yeah. professionals, a lot of Wall Street type at a very hot club. Girls wearing the skimpy outfits, you like that? Um, <laughs> and we get home at three in the morning, and I say to John, "Listen, you haven't had a day off in ages. Just stay in tomorrow. Sleep in. You need your sleep." Okay. So I get up. I come to the office. At about 10.30, who comes walking in? But there's John. So what are you doing? He said, I took an Uber to the office. I got things to do. <laughs> it's like, okay. Um, you like working, don't you? I do. John, let me ask you this. So on Saturday, you wear the poop emoji. Do you have a specific set uh, pair of socks for every day of the week or just Saturday? I'm only on the weekend. Only on the weekends, got you. Because you're changing what you wear every day, don't you? Yeah. I mean, with 4,000 different pairs, I mean, there's who's got the time to wear, you know, so <laughs> uh, I get it. But you're very thoughtful about it, right? And you plan it based on something that's happening. Right. What, are you, what are you wearing today? I wear friends. Friend socks? You're a big friends fan, right? Yeah. How you doing? How you doing, right? How you doing? How you doing? <laughs> I keep telling you, Joey is not your role model. I love it. Hey, Mark, I'm just throwing it out there. You got the hardest working man in the sock biz. I almost see another John sock with him in a, in a James Brown, like cape type outfit or something, <laughs> you know, hardest work man in the sock biz. Well, pick we up. are this year. We are starting to roll out sock man, which uh, John in a, um, um, has a superhero outfit that he's made, and Sockman may just show up at your door. Uh, <laughs> so that'll be fun, but we'll think about it. That's um, so awesome. But yeah. he does, uh, there is lots of dancing, right? Yeah, they do. One of the things that John does, what, what do you do every Tuesday afternoon? Uh, every Tuesday, I would a dance party um, every, every Tuesday at 3 p.m. each time. He hosts an online dance party at three o'clock Eastern time every Tuesday. It's great fun. That's awesome. I love, that. I love it. Well, it, it's uh, real quick, Mark. I want to bring up, of course, you mentioned uh, March 21st um, world down syndrome day, which interestingly enough for people that are listening to it, maybe after that is the day that this episode is out actually will be released. Um, so is there anything maybe you could tell folks a little bit more about that and just a little bit more of that advocacy piece? Sure. You know, part of it is you want to raise awareness and move towards acceptance. So we want to highlight what people on, on World Down Syndrome Day on what people with Down syndrome can accomplish. So we're always promoting other businesses that are led by or focused on People with different abilities. We've made a Down syndrome yeah. super box with 21 different items from 21 different countries, uh, c companies. Uh, this year, we'll be in Albany, New York, meeting with the state assembly um, and speaking to them about uh, Down syndrome and, and what people with Down syndrome can do. We're sending Down syndrome awareness socks to every member of the legislature because, well, we're a SOC company, we celebrate that. Um, the advocacy work, we, 
we focus on a couple of things. One, mm-hmm. we're always advocating to show what people with different abilities can achieve. When we speak to lawmakers, policymakers, and other businesses, we always want them to see, look what folks can do. And, and we need to make that easier for them to do. So, uh, you know, our second TEDx talk is entitled, or the theme is, hiring people with different abilities is not altruism, it's good business. And we make the business case as to why you should hire people with different abilities. And we're always telling that to other businesses. We want to show, don't tell. We want them to see why it makes sense. And with lawmakers, it's breaking down some of the barriers. It's enabling people who, who do work to hold on to more of their benefits, but also the fruit of their labor. But we'll give you one example of something that we're working on now. I'll give you a little American history lesson. The Fair Labor Standards Act of 1938 is a great piece of American legislation. It created the 40-hour work week. It eliminated childhood labor. It created overtime. But Section 14C allows employers to pay people with a disability less than minimum wage. So the numbers are coming down, but at one point you had as many as 400,000 people in this country being paid as little as five cents an hour. Oftentimes by some of the most well-known charities. In 1938, and, and, and that's today, right? In 1938, if John was born, he probably would not have survived because they couldn't do that heart surgery. And if he did, perhaps he would have been institutionalized. Mm -hmm. But today, he leads his own business that's created 31 jobs. This is a different world. So we need to eliminate that. You know, people need, we we should not treat people with a disability as if they're subhuman. They should be treated fairly and paid paid for the labor that they perform. Absolutely. And, you know, and sometimes it's little technical things. Um, you know, we, as a business, we offer a 401k. So people can take money out pre-tax and put it in a 401k account. Well, there is there's a special type of account known as an ABLE account for people with a disability. And they're important because it shields money and assets from benefit calculations. Well, all we want is the ability for people to be able to take money out pre-tax and put into an ABLE account the same way you can a 401k account. We've gone to Washington over that. Everybody agrees. Everybody says that should be done. It just hasn't happened yet. Um, There's been a problem that's arisen in the last two years of people being knocked off do, um, uh, organ donor list or organ wait list because they had a disability. Well, it turns out John's life is worth just as much as anybody else's life. Yeah. And so we don't want that to happen. But the other side of what we do is meet with students to show, look what's possible. Jobs are waiting for you. We need you to offer them hope and inspiration and specifically 
to inspire entrepreneurs. So, you know, just yesterday we spoke at a high school here in, in New York. We spoke uh, earlier today virtually to a high school in Miami. Uh, we spoke to someone at the University of Connecticut. We'll be up speaking there. We've spoken to a lot of colleges and, and universities. Um, because the other side of that is showing the people, look what you can do. There is hope ahead. And we have a project that we're rolling out this year called JCS Champions that will put our, our our goal is to put people with differing abilities into their own business by giving them a business in a box. We're, they'll be able to create a micro business. So we'll give them a stand. We'll give them inventory. We'll give them training on how to set up and run a business. We'll help them with marketing materials, not a franchise. We're giving them their business. So they could go and, and sell at, say, a farmer's market or a craft fair or go to the local, a local store and say, can I set my stand up here? People will be able to control how much they make. So if, you know, here's a terrible thing. If you earn too much and you are at a disability payment, you lose your disability coverage. So people will be able to control how much they make. But our goal we're going to start enrolling people in October, and our goal is to put 1,000 people into business over a five-year period. We want to light up this country and show what people with different abilities can do. I love it. It's so awesome. Well, Mark and John, we know that um, we're running a little low on our time. John, do you want to answer some fun questions? Let's do it. Shut up. All right. <laughs> Okay, John. So for some reason, you're on an island, but you can watch any movie. What would be the one movie you have with you? What is your favorite movie? My favorite movie. Go ahead. He, he hates picking favorites. Oh. You got to pick one, though. Pick one. Pick one. Um, my favorite guy is uh, Corn Ups. Corn Ups? That's your favorite movie. Okay. Great I love movie. That movie. Okay, John. So you're a dancer. That's what you do. You love dancing. So what is one of your favorites? Not the top favorite, but one of your favorite songs you love dancing to. Oh, um, my favorite song I, I really like and dance to. That uh, we'll just pick one. Okay. I, I play. I play that other day. Well, I can think of all the songs you dance to in your dance party that you asked for. You're all over the place. Oh, I, I'm really good. I've fantasy life. What is it called? Fan fantasy life. Yeah, no, like like who's that by? Oh, Walker Hayes. Well, okay. Oh, well, you're, okay. You're big on Little Mix, right? Yeah, I do. Right, and Abba. I like that a lot of songs. Yeah, you like all that. Yeah. You like a lot of stuff, don't you? I do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, John, other than uh, John's crazy socks, do you have any other hobbies that you really enjoy to do? Other than my that? Favorite hobbies, um, my favorite hobbies, um, I quality time with my family. We spend time with us. I quality time with my family. You got your friends. dancing, you got your sports, you go out with your friends, you I, go I, to I, movies. I, I, I went out on a date, I, I went to I hang with my girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> you want to tell them about your last date? 
Let's hear it, John. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. That uh, uh, in that kind of a Valentine's Day, day, uh, I took it. I took it out with a, a twenty tacos. Tony's tacos. And, and then I clicked over to Starbucks. Uh, um, I stayed by a fireplace. I eat. I eat at. I eat at a Starbucks. And I got one of the nice surprise movie. Uh, Clifford. Red, red, red dog. So I want to make sure you get this. This is your romantic lead here. <laughs> Tony's tacos, they take their food into Starbucks, pull up a chair next to the fireplace because you said that was romantic, and you ate your Tony's tacos in Starbucks watching a movie. That was the day. Yes. <laughs> hey, if that's not romantic, I don't know what is. Yeah. <laughs> You know, John, uh, you're awesome. There's uh, there's people that uh, they're just not, unfortunately, motivated to do much with themselves and what you've achieved. And and seeing you, John, as such a loving person of your family and Mark, the kind of uh, support and advocacy you're all doing out of that love is um, it's nothing short of inspirational. I got tears or, or uh, chills, and after this, I think I'm going to go cry a little bit. But um, if there's any happy words, tears. yeah, happy tears. Mm-hmm. If there's any words you can lend just as we wrap up to anyone, no matter their circumstances uh, of hope and encouragement. Well, you have advice for people? I do, Dad. Follow your heart. Follow your dreams. Walk hard. So you can do. You know, for me, it's a, I'd have to paraphrase it, but there's a poem by Galway Cannell called Wait, which he wrote. He said he was inspired by a student who was thinking about suicide when her boyfriend broke up with her. Uh, he does say that by the time he finished, he thinks she was two or three boyfriends down the road. Um, <laughs> but it's just, no matter how hard things get, just wait. The days have carried us this far. They'll carry us forward. And life will become interesting again. You know, flower buds, smiles, other people. You just have to keep finding a way to survive and get to the next day. And as long as you're doing that, there's always a hope things will get better. Oh, John, Mark, thank you, gentlemen, so very much. You guys are awesome. You guys are extraordinary. John, you are just a phenomenal person and an inspiration, and uh, we appreciate the time. Well, we appreciate you Thank having you us so on. Thank you so much. This is really great. What you guys are doing is really important. Thank you. you Thank know, you. Folks know they're not alone out there. Absolutely. What, what are you pointing at? The picture. The picture? Oh, yeah. The picture of you in the sock man outfit? Yeah. That's yeah, right. <laughs> I don't know if uh, now we can't show it on the screen. Oh, it's okay. But we should give a, a pitch, right? You want to give a pitch? Yeah, Dad. Let's hear it. I you can do it. I shine crazy stuff. And you can look it to card. Marie, a Maria company. John's crazy socks.com. When you buy from us, not only you get great socks. But you're helping us employ people with different abilities. Yes. You're helping us give back. And most of all, you're helping spread happiness. So thank you. Thank you.
Thank you. You just got two new customers, so th- yeah, you guys are awesome. <laughs> Mikey, you got anything else? That's it, man. That's it. Thank you so much, guys, for your time. We appreciate everything you do. And if spreading happiness is your mission, mission accomplished on our end. I'll tell you that. This podcast contains the views and opinions of the Knocking Doors Down hosts and their guests to the show. The content here should not be taken as medical advice. The content here is for informational purposes only. And because each person is sharing their unique perspective, please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions. Views and opinions expressed in the podcast and website are our own and do not represent that of our places of work. While we make every effort to ensure that the information we are sharing is accurate, we welcome any comments, suggestions, or correction of errors. Privacy is of the utmost importance to us. For those wishing anonymity, people, places, and scenarios mentioned in the podcast have been changed to protect confidentiality at the request of certain guests. This website or podcast should not be used in any legal capacity whatsoever, including but not limited to establishing standard of care in a legal sense or as a basis for expert witness testimony. No guarantee is given regarding the accuracy of any statements or opinions made on the podcast or website. In no way does listening, reading, emailing, or interacting on social media with their content establish a doctor-patient relationship. If you find any errors in any of the content of this podcast or blogs, please send a message through the contact page. This podcast is owned by KDD Media Company.